I'm grumpy. I have grumpies. Hopefully I'll be less grumpy as we go. Well, did you hate this episode? Are you going to rant through it? <laughs> uh, I didn't hate it. I didn't love ah. it. <laughs> Welcome to Stargazing, a stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And every other week, we discuss an episode of Stargate, beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Hello. How we doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm all right. I'm doing okay. Yeah. All right. I'm glad to hear it. Not too much going on. Go to- yeah. Go to work. Go home. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Since I'm working two jobs, uh, it's pretty much all work and then occasional podcast and video games. Yay. Uh, with, of course, the random episode of uh, Stargate SG-1 thrown in here and there so that I can podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> Yay! Uh, I'm going to take my bike. Ooh, I know. I took the bus today. Oh, really? Yeah, I only... That's My brave. bike is uh, a little broken, so I need to take it oh, in. No. Uh, and I haven't had a chance to do that yet. So I, w- I walked to work yesterday and walked home, but today I was like, I can't do this again. Mm. So let me see what the bus is like. Cause I left early enough that I had the option to get off and walk if I wanted to. Yeah. Well, that's good. I learned my limits. I got on the bus. There were two other passengers plus the driver. So I sat in the back away from everyone. Okay. That's not too bad. It was bad, okay. Then. And then halfway through a, uh, uh, another person got on the bus and my I could feel my anxiety start to rise and <laughs> oh, I was no. like okay my limit is four total people on the bus <laughs> oh no <laughs> it's good to know yeah. your limits though like you said I, uh, I, 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 I made it through the ride but I think that the goal is to not be on the bus as much as possible yeah that's fair my uh my big venture out into public was actually yesterday I donate platelets once in a while not not whole blood because my iron tends to be low and I tend to feel awful but I donate platelets which is um helpful for like cancer patients and that's like the only place that I go now where there's multiple people and I'm like well if I'm gonna get sick at least I'm helping to uh save people's lives in the process of getting sick so that is like the only place that I will brave being around other people and that makes me a little nervous too but I just try to remind myself that it's for a good cause yes um, I did go to the dentist once, and I it was so much oh, man. that I don't think I'll do that. I again. haven't even made a new appointment I... <laughs> for mine. I canceled during, you know, the height. But yeah, I wouldn't have gone if I, I thought that I might have a cavity, and thankfully it turned out that I didn't. Um, I also had a new crown, which I'd never had a crown before, and I thought there might be something wrong with it, and thankfully there wasn't. But I really wanted to go and just make sure. Yeah. Um, so I did brave the dentist for that. That was like two months ago. And that was so anxiety inducing. I hated it. I believe it. <laughs> I don't think I'll do it again until there's a vaccine. Yeah. Oh man. But yeah. Adventures in pandemic. Yay. <laughs> so cheerful. Indeed. Just like this episode. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I had mixed feelings about this episode because parts of it were pretty entertaining and then other parts of it were super yeah. depressing. So should we talk yes, about that? We're, we're right. talking about Cold Lazarus, which is the mm-hmm. seventh episode of the first season of SG-1. Yes. 
we open on a funky yellow planet. I want to know how bad this planet smells because the dirt, uh, the soil is such a bright yellow that I've got to think that it's got a ton of sulfur in it. It's the scrambled egg planet. And <laughs> so yeah, basically it's got to be super smelly. <laughs> But what's really nice is that there's all these cool blue crystals around as they leave the gate. So there's an interesting contrast. The artist in me appreciated the contrast of the two colors and thought it was at least kind of pretty, even if it was probably smelly. I wasn't there to smell it. <laughs> I enjoyed that too. <laughs> yes. Tilk says that he doesn't know what this planet is or what those crystals are. He really doesn't have any idea of what is going on here. Daniel thinks that the presence of those crystals must somehow mean that civilization had happened because only civilization would have put crystals there at the Stargate, which seemed to be a little bit of a stretch for me. They yeah. somehow also knew that the crystals were granite and not volcanic just by looking at them, I guess, which as I've said, I'm a biologist. I don't know a whole lot about geology, so maybe that's a thing, but it still seemed a little bit weird to me. Anyway, all the crystals were broken, but Daniel was trying to figure out if any of the pieces could fit back together and they were talking about what broke them. So Daniel and Sam were kind of chatting about nerdy science things while Teal'c was standing watch and O'Neill was just kind of wandering around and checking out the scene. He goes over a little crest and uh, is continuing to look around and sees that there's one last crystal that is not broken, that is still attached to the ground and standing upright. And he kneels down to check it out, and we see all of a sudden a switch in vantage point where everything looks blue, and we're looking at O'Neill head-on as though we're looking at him from the viewpoint of the crystal. He reaches out to touch the crystal. We go back to the regular vantage point, and just in time to see a blast, and O'Neill goes flying backwards and is completely knocked out, unconscious, on the ground. Womp womp, indeed. <laughs> Suddenly there's a second O'Neill looking down on his own body, which is weird. He picks up his hat and his gun and looks around a little bit confused. And then here's the rest of the team calling to him. So uh, he leaves his unconscious body behind and goes off to join the rest of the team. Woo. Woo, indeed. Then we're at credits. Yes. After which we uh, switch to the briefing room where the team is talking about their mission while O'Neill is actually standing away from them and facing away from them and staring into the distance. I didn't understand why no one thought this was I weird. don't know. <laughs> that he was like restlessly pacing around the room and not Maybe talking. Maybe he was just like, <laughs> I don't care about crystals. I don't care about this science. I don't care about whatever is going on. There was no Gould, so who cares? Yeah, <laughs> I don't true. know. <laughs> yeah, that maybe that's what they chalked it up to. So they they again talk about how they only found crystals near the gate because they had they had walked a ten mile ten mile ten k ten kilometer radius for that. Oh, I missed that part. I was wondering how far they had wandered. I missed when that's they a, said that's that part. a fair that's a fair amount. That's a good yeah. distance. Yeah, if they'd gone ten ten k away, that's six point two miles each yeah. way. So that was a good amount of walking they did. Yeah, good for them. Uh, <laughs> again they reiterate they only found crystals near the gate as if they'd been gathered and put in place but again there was no evidence that the gold had been there any time recently but they did take samples of the crystals to kind of do a little bit of uh science on them because 
they like the science those scientists <laughs> they do scientists <laughs> love their science <laughs> while they're talking o'neill has a flash of himself kind of a flashback there we go <laughs> a flashback yeah, go. <laughs> i was gonna say a flash <laughs> o'neill had a flashback of himself <laughs> that makes more sense yeah that was basically the briefing room <laughs> The end. <laughs> Short episode. Ooh, that was fun. <laughs> there was also an extra mention of, it made a little bit more sense to me here at when, when Daniel explained it further. In the last scene, uh, as I said, Daniel figured that the presence of crystals must mean culture. And I was like, how does that make any sense? But here he did explain that the Greeks valued crystals very highly. And so... From that standpoint, that's what he was trying to say, is that maybe they gathered them all here in this one spot because they had a value for them. But that they then did say that there was no evidence of any culture or population on the planet whatsoever. It seemed to be completely abandoned. Yep. We go from there into the locker room. I noticed that we see next to O'Neill's locker, Kowalski's locker, uh, is still there Aww. and labeled. Yeah. O'Neill opens his locker, puts his coat on, and sees a cigar box at the bottom and pulls that out and starts sifting through some photos and old letters and sees pictures of his son, who we learn uh, eventually that his name is Charlie. O'Neill continues to have various flashes, flashbacks of scenes of his life and of Charlie. At this point, Sam comes in and tries to make some small talk with him about his family, but O'Neill is continuing to act really strange and is only giving one word responses and is pretty deadpan. O'Neill eventually leaves and then Daniel comes in and Sam had just said that it was about to turn into the women's locker room. So I guess that that role doesn't yeah. apply to Daniel when she What the that. hell, Daniel? Come yeah. on. Also, I was wondering if that was like an official rule or if she was just like just saying that because she needed to get changed and was trying to hint to him that he needed to leave. I wasn't really clear on that, but. That's an interesting way to do it. If that is actually how they do it, just have one locker room that they just have like scheduled shifts. Yeah. But but also that would seem like you would need to like schedule people's shifts around that and that would be weird. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> anyway, this is where Sam actually learns for the first time that O'Neill is divorced and that O'Neill's son is uh, deceased. Yes. Sorry, I... <laughs> this is a compelling I podcast know. here. <laughs> I got nothing. I know there's I know. not 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 yeah. a lot to go on. With this I did write yet. Daniel wanders in during lady locker time. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that the death, uh, the information about O'Neill distracted Carter from her mission of getting scrambled egg sand yeah. out of her wherever it was. Yeah, because a few minutes later, we see them talking yeah. in the hall again. and Yeah, so I'm kind of going to kind of combine the next two because they're like yeah, short, tiny. Like like O'Neill is seen wandering through the base. Uh, Teal'c stops him and is like, I would like to see your world now. <laughs> and O'Neill is like, uh, no. Another time. And just takes off. And then <laughs> in the vein of walking through the base, Carter and Daniel are too. They're talking about O'Neill. They're being very gossipy they this are. episode. I thought that was a little weird because there's like this continue this conversation seems to be continuing for it quite does. a while. Yeah, because they <laughs> they're walking in and then they head into a lab and continue it while they're doing their examining. 
But yeah, so they talk about how O'Neill's a pretty private guy, rarely opens up. That's why. Yeah, so they need to make up for that by talking about him behind his back since he doesn't want to talk about them, about himself to them. I mean, uh, Carter's (laughs) curious, you know? I don't blame her. I don't know. Daniel had all this insider info he was holding out on her. He was, (laughs) yeah. I'm sure that it was on uh, on purpose. Yes. So while they're chatting, they do uh, go and check results from some tests on the crystals. The crystal is emitting a low-level EM field, which Carter explains is electro means electromagnetic because Daniel did not know that, and now we know it too. Multi-purpose. Tell Daniel. Tell the audience. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Now you know. Daniel also goes into detail about the facts behind the death of O'Neill's son, which include the fact that he uh, accidentally shot himself with O'Neill's gun. And Sam appropriately is like, that's horrible. And Yes. Quite yeah. horrible indeed. <laughs> and then I think they flip then back to uh, talking about the crystal and its glassy edge, um, which appears to be melted and would take extreme temperatures. So they start to think about what could possibly have caused that. They realize they've seen a cut like this before. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Indeed. All this conclusion being drawn from them looking at it under a magnifying glass. Yeah. Which I thought was weird. Because I would think you need a little bit more analytical testing than just a magnifying glass. Uh, also, the fact that Sam is not a geologist, mm-hmm. but a physicist. So she doesn't necessarily know any more about rocks than somebody like me right. <laughs> being a biologist. I know I know nothing about rocks and crystals, but uh, a physicist doesn't necessarily know anything about them either. So it's it's kind of frustrating to me to see somebody that's just... She's a scientist, so she knows everything that there is to know about science. That's not how science works. You need to have a field of expertise that you specialize in, typically. (laughs) Yes. I'll get off my soapbox now. Oh, no, you don't have to. I can't be annoyed about the science itself because I don't know anything about rocks and crystals, so I'll just be annoyed about the fact that they don't have a geologist looking at it and that it's just Sam mm. instead. I'll take their word for it. Yeah. I have to be something to be annoyed about with the science, yes. right? I'll take their word for it. It looks melty and something did it, so. <laughs> Next scene, we're at Sarah O'Neill's house, Sarah being the ex-wife of Jack O'Neill. She is working on fixing a car, and we see Jack kind of practicing saying hello to her. All of a sudden, she turns around, and Jack is standing there, and she's like, oh, have you been there long? And Jack is like, yes. <laughs> that was pretty funny. They chat a little bit about why he's there, and Sarah is clearly not at all happy to see him. He looks around with that kind of like vacant expression on his face still, and they keep shifting to like a perspective where everything looks blue. blue. Vision. So, yes, blue vision, Exactly. And he tells Sarah that he needs to see Charlie. Of course, this is extremely surprising to her since Charlie has been dead for at least a couple of years now. So she understandably gets extremely upset and asks if he's joking and then runs in the house. From there, Sarah's dad comes back out and tells O'Neill that he's being dumb, but then for whatever reason invites him in anyway. (laughs) Just, Just likes a friendly face. I don't know. Even yeah. I don't I know, O'Neill so. wasn't looking that friendly, I suppose. He was not looking at all friendly, but, yeah. but here we are. And then we're back at Stargate Command. Teal'c is opening the door to his room, it looks like, on base. 
I wasn't sure if that was his room or just a random bunk because he looked so he confused did look confused by the TV. I, I was like, did somebody <laughs> gift him a TV? Maybe that was right. what's happening, but who and why? Right. I don't think it was like spaced out O'Neill as he was leaving the base because he wouldn't show him his world yet. Right, yeah. Somehow I doubt that it was like, I'm an, also an alien and I'm going to give him a gift of a television. <laughs> yeah, he looked really confused. <laughs> and the reason I kind of think it's his room is because, you know, moments later, um, Sam and Daniel will burst in. But And how else would they true. know he was there? Yeah, that's a good point too. But I also wanted to know, before we get to yeah. Sam and Daniel, how did Tilk know how the remote works? Because he seemed very surprised that the I TV know. was there. He turns on the TV, he watches some, uh, a lot of really right. alarming things for somebody who might not have ever seen TV before. Yeah, <laughs> like the news yeah. and music videos. And he was like covering his ears during yeah. the music videos, which was pretty <laughs> cute. But like, he's clearly seen screens like that before in other places for like briefings and in the command room so i wasn't sure why he was so confused about it first of all but then second of all if he had seen a tv before why would he look so confused and if he hadn't seen a tv before and was confused by it then how would he know how the remote wow. works teal command maybe we're maybe we're over possibly <laughs> <laughs> not that that's a thing either of us no. would ever do <laughs> So Teal's just standing there with the TV when Carter and Daniel rush into the room breathless and excited because <laughs> they're freaking nerds. <laughs> Teal, we need your help. Your world is a strange place. So's yours. And they're like, we need your help. We need your staff weapon. It's totally cool. Don't worry about it. Let's go. <laughs> Oh, uh, for alternating scenes, that means I keep getting the depressing ones. Oh, O'Neill's wandering around Charlie's old bedroom, just kind of checking things out. They are talking about Charlie, and O'Neill seems to be continuing to have flashbacks of Charlie when he was still alive. And O'Neill says that he thought he would find Charlie there. Sarah's dad is in the room with him uh, at the time, and O'Neill asks what he should do. And Sarah's dad, whose name is Mike, says that Sarah often sits in there and talks to Charlie and that sometimes that seems to help her feel better. But then he also warns Jack that she's not actually over Jack yet, so he better not do anything that could hurt her again. Yeah. We see O'Neill continuing to look around and there's just a whole lot more flashback scenes of happy memories of Charlie and happy memories of Sarah and then we finally get a longer flashback that's more specific, not just like a slow motion scene of running or playing sports. But this one, Jack runs up to Sarah and kisses her hello, and they're all happy. Sarah says, look what came in the mail today, and it's Charlie's school photo. And then all of a sudden, we hear a gunshot. They both look up stunned and call his name, and we're back in present day. Jack is sitting on the bed. And uh, we, it's pretty clear from this that that is when Charlie died and Jack is rocking back and forth, holding on to um, a blanket yeah. on the bed. That was, uh... yeah, that was, was rough. rough. Um, yeah. <laughs> so going back a little bit. So I was looking around his room too, Charlie's room, to try to like suss uh -huh. out information. Did you see on the wall there was a poster labeled crystals? Oh, <gasps> what? Oh, yeah. no, I didn't. <laughs> um, that's funny and then the kid had a lot of interests it looks like airplanes and baseball and space and so i don't know 
seemed like a pretty normal kid, but he ha- he had a pencil yeah. lamp too, which I never had, but I always thought was cool when we were kids. Oh, that yeah. seems fun. Yeah, I never had a pencil lamp either. I did have a Mickey Mouse telephone That's that awesome. I loved. And then I also had a whale, uh, like an orca whale telephone, which I thought was the best thing ever. And it made whale noises <laughs> when it rang. And I thought it was so cool at the time. Um, I'm pretty sure it's still cool. If it is if still cool. we use telephones, but, you know. Besides, yes. Yeah. But I don't. I just have my cell phone. Ooh, I also did have a crayon shaped, uh, like a giant coin bank shaped like nice. a crayon, which obviously isn't a pencil, but that's the closest thing Crans I had Crayons are more fun pencil than pencils, lamp. but, you know. I feel yeah. like lamp versus bank is... Yeah, it's kind of a draw yeah. if you're comparing those yeah. two items. True. <laughs> then we're back in the gate room. We're back in Stargate Command, and we are in the gate room <laughs> as Teal'c is firing off his weapon at some of the crystals, obliterating <laughs> them. Uh, I think people are kind of looking at them like, what? And Teal'c's... And then the alarm yeah. goes off. <laughs> I really enjoyed yeah. this scene. <laughs> and Teal'c's like, um, did you get permission for this? And they're like, yeah, totally cool. We're nerds. It's fine. What's going on in there? You received permission for me to fire my staff weapon in the gate room? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Then they're back in the lab, sciencing, and... <laughs> uh, it turns out their conclusion is that the energy signatures for Teal'c's weapon and what ruined, what damaged the crystals are the same thing. So the ghouls are the ones who destroyed those items. Those items. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yes. Back at Sarah's house, Sarah is wondering why O'Neill suddenly seems to be taking such an interest in Charlie's things and why he's suddenly seeming to be morning for Charlie all over again. They talk about how Charlie loved baseball. And suddenly Jack starts talking about how he needs to get back to the Stargate. And Sarah has no idea what he's talking about because that is a top secret project that Jack is not supposed to be talking about. (laughs) Jack asks her what's wrong and why she seems upset. And she says that she's been crying and asks what's going on with you. And mentions that she's never seen him as upset as he suddenly seems to be on this particular day. And asks where his military vibrato... Military vibrato. <laughs> military... She asks where his military bravado has gone. And Jack says he doesn't think he actually has any. And then they're interrupted by a birding casserole. No! Oh no! What does military vibrato sound like? Is that the sound of guns firing? Like <laughs> <laughs> but with, yes, exactly. <laughs> that, that's even worse. Wow. <laughs> that sounded nothing. Neither of us sound anything like guns, but <laughs> so I was gonna say sounded even less like guns and even less like vibrato. <laughs> as long as we tried. Yeah, we did. We put in the effort. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. All right. We are back again in the lab. Yes. Carter is talking about how she wants to get this under the spectrometer at Stanford. TLC's like, what What is is Stanford? Stanford? And And while she's nerding out, Daniel leans in for a closer look at the crystal and he starts to notice it's kind of moving inside and then kind of outside and he backs up startled and super excited and he's like, it was me. 
<laughs> and then he has Carter take a closer look, a much closer look, and the same thing happens. There's movement within the crystal and then without, and then all of a sudden the crystal has Carter face, and it's like, <laughs> help us. Help us. Oh my god. It's very creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I would not still, I mean, I would not still be in the lab at this point. No. <laughs> it's just super creepy. Carter face. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the next part is pretty like, it'll get you out of O'Neill duty. Oh, it will get me out of, it will get me out of that. All of a sudden we get a... Warning of an incoming wormhole, an unscheduled incoming wormhole. Arms are going off and people are freaking out. In the lab, the face is gone and no longer talking. And Sam and Daniel hear the alarm that's going off. We end up going down in the gate room. Someone has used a remote to open the iris. A remote that was given to them for an SG mission. So they're trying to figure out who it could possibly be since everyone is accounted for as far as they know. And suddenly Jack comes running through the gate and yells, asking why he was left behind. What are you guys doing leaving without me? And he's met by a whole bunch of people pointing guns at him. And needless to say, he is fairly surprised. <laughs> and Hammond is like, who the hell are you? And so they take Jack into custody. I have to talk about Hammond for a second here because, yes, again... Sort of like in um, the episode with the uh, the the virus, like he's a little like, oh, I can't do it. This isn't my. I don't have any control over what's happening because he, because when they're asking him like, why isn't the iris closed? He's like, oh, someone had a remote. They had the codes. What are you gonna do? And, I mean, it's yeah. good that they didn't close the iris again after i feel I guess, like they could but... have played that yeah. a little bit differently where he's like well someone has our codes and i'd like to see what's going on like but he was like oh, right someone's got the codes what do you want right yeah the ghoul will have like this amazing technology you'd think they would probably be able to figure out a way to clone some device <laughs> and that hammond might not be so blasé about well they've got the codes <laughs> but so. we weren't expecting anyone hmm this is a pickle yeah. <laughs> You forgot the pickle! <gasps> I just had a pickle right before we started oh, recording. I love pickles. Great. I ate ice cream. Pickles are great. I, oh, nice. Yeah, Those I don't good. know. It's been a week. I needed ice cream. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, at least they did have the guys there with their guns drawn, so it's not like they just left the gate completely unguarded, assuming, well, he's got a code, so Right, that's fine. true. They were prepared. It's just the way he yeah. delivered the, like... But yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Up in the meeting room, Sam, Daniel, and Teal'c, and Hammond, and some other random guy that we don't know, watch the captive O'Neill, who is screaming at them via a screen, so he's locked away somewhere. He yells into the camera that he wants to be let out. And Sam looks really entertained by how upset Jack is, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, the random guy says that they are searching the facility for the other person that they thought was O'Neill. And then goes off in order to continue that search. And then we are back with uh, the other O'Neill and Sarah, who are sitting in a park, it looks like. Sarah's basically pleading with him to talk to her like... 
because she needs more information about why he's here and what is going on. He says that she was angry with him and she's a little confused and he explains that he left her because he thought she was angry with him. And this also makes her a little cranky. Like, how is this? Is this this my fault that you didn't talk to me and made assumptions? Yeah. And she did, you know, she did say she has some anger, which I, this is all very, like, very, very heavy. It is very heavy. Yeah. She said she knew he blamed himself for what happened. Yes. And she says that they both could have, you know, helped each other through all of this if he'd only said anything to her opened up to her at all about what is going on but of course the real jack is way too much so this but this jack is like sorry it took so long to say these things and she wants to know why are you here and he says that there's no way he can make her understand what he came there to do and also says that if he could bring charlie back through the stargate and then she's he's cut off she's like he's gone right what are you doing, crazy man? She didn't say that, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that was the implication, and though. Their sure. their their conversation comes to an abrupt end because he starts like convulsing and lands on the ground, writhing in pain and like as flashing light. I don't know how to describe yeah. the light. That's like he's not flashing light. It's like almost like it's lightning. It's lightning, but it. it's coming from within <laughs> rather than like yeah. the emperor like killing luke or something like that <laughs> yes or trying to kill luke if you will not return you will be destroyed yeah it's like shooting through him but yeah. not really shooting out of him so yeah. they head to the hospital like probably a yeah. good idea yeah back at the base they're talking about this new o'neill that has come through Dr. Fraser is there and is saying that his MRI came back normal and his scans all match the scans that they have on file for O'Neill. So this does seem to, in fact, be Jack O'Neill. Two L's. <laughs> Hammond asks, how do you explain the other one then? And Jack is like, what other one? <laughs> From there, we go to a meeting room in the base. And the team and Hammond are showing O'Neill a video of the return through the gate and O'Neill of course can see that there is a person that looks exactly like him coming through the gate with the rest of the SG-1 team. Sam thinks that the crystals are going to hold the key because it can apparently mimic things as evidenced by the fact that it was able to uh, make her face and was able to take on Daniel's face and their voices uh, or at least her voice anyway. She thinks that maybe one that was even more powerful might be able to take things even further and copy a whole person instead of just emulating their face. Sam and Daniel mention here too that the crystal actually asked them for help and everyone is looking at them pretty skeptically (laughs) until Sam goes up to the crystal and is like, hi, (laughs) trying to prove that it actually can talk. You'd think they would have mentioned this before though because a fair amount of time has passed since they first talked to it and it hasn't come up before. that's like a whole other entity that they are unfamiliar with. Yeah. Don't they have a completely protocols for this kind of thing? <laughs> right. So anyway, she goes up to it and says hello, and it responds. It creates a face that, again, looks Carter like Sam's face. Carter face. Carter face. <laughs> she asks what it is, and it says it's, as you've explained, energy, and then describes itself as unity. Sam asks about its request for help 
and the crystal says that its energy is going to disintegrate if it stays on Earth much longer. And they ask it why it didn't speak up sooner, and it says that it didn't speak up out of fear, because when the Gua'uld came through the gate thousands of years ago, they weren't afraid of the Gua'uld, and the crystals tried to greet the Gua'uld, but when one of the Gua'uld... <laughs> this is repetitive. Uh, when one of the when one of the Gua'uld touched a crystal like Jack did, he was destroyed by the energy, and that is why the Gua'uld then destroyed all of the crystals. So the crystals are essentially a mass grave that result in the damage that was inadvertently done. The crystal says it can't sustain its form anymore, and so it goes back into crystal form, stops talking, and its face is gone. Jack is basically like, what the hell just <laughs> happened? And asks for some theories and explanations. And Daniel asks him, well, how would you react if your whole race had been destroyed and then somebody came back and you thought that they were about to finish the job and destroy the, the few who were left? The Gould are real monsters, man. That they committing really genocide because somebody accidentally killed one of your people, that's, that's extreme. Yeah. They're extremists. It is a bit. Yeah, yeah they are yeah. quite... Also, it seems weird to me that the Gua'uld somehow knew that the crystals were beings that needed to be destroyed and didn't think that it was just like, oh, this guy got randomly shocked, but it must be because the crystal is alive. Yeah. And it seems and like a bit of a to gather them all together and just like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's a lot of very deliberate actions and yeah. knowledge that it's surprising they had. I don't know. How did they gather them all together without being killed by the crystals? Because... If they touch them, they get shocked and or killed. So how did they gather them all in one place? Maybe with like maybe they ringed them all <laughs> with their ships. I don't <laughs> know. That. Although if yes. they came through the Stargate, they probably wouldn't have their ships with them. So but... oh right, yeah. So they can't they they can't have ringed them all. It must have been like pot holders <laughs> or asbestos globes. I'm just trying to think of what kind of designs they'd have on their pot holders. <laughs> Probably not like flowers no. or anything like that, like on my pot no. holders. Crystals. No, that wouldn't be crystals. <laughs> they could have, I don't know. Yeah. Uh. A little while later in the meeting room still, the other random guy who we had seen before comes in and confirms that the other O'Neill is missing. Sam had apparently left, and so she comes back in and says that the energy in the crystal uh, in the lab is nuclear and is in fact decaying and although the crystals that they have on base aren't strong enough to be doing any damage to anybody if there is a crystal entity that is strong enough to actually take on the form of an entire human being then if that starts to decay it will most likely give anybody nearby a very lethal dose of radiation so they need to find it as soon as possible sam also mentions here that she saw the fake o'neill going through the real O'Neill's things and looking at pictures of his family, meaning that most likely that fake crystal guy went to find O'Neill's family. So O'Neill is very unhappy to hear this, runs to the phone, tries to call Sarah, and of course there's no answer. So Did you think the music was inappropriately dramatic for him jumping up to grab the phone? I thought he was going to run out of the room. <laughs> I thought that there were a lot of points in this episode where there was especially strangely dramatic <laughs> music more so than most other episodes <laughs> i so i didn't notice it specifically in this scene but i did notice it in previous scenes 
where O'Neill would just be like the fake O'Neill was like looking around and there would just be this dramatic music, even though he was just literally standing there and staring into space. <laughs> Music's dramatic. Okay. New music director for this episode. They're, he's trying something different. <laughs> I don't know if it actually was a different music director. <laughs> Me either. That's, that's my theory. That's my hypothesis. So they're out in the hall. They've thrown on some jackets and whatnot. They're gearing up to get out of there. You do a search for the other O'Neill. When Hammond delivers the news that a Jay O'Neill has been admitted to a hospital... So they are ready to go, and now they have a destination in mind. Teal'c has his gun with him, his uh, his his uh, staff weapon, and he's planning to go <laughs> with it. And Hammond's like, you cannot leave the base with that. And he's like, I have I've seen, seen your world. world. I, I will need it. it. <laughs> <laughs> but Hammond overrides him on this one. And it's... How did nobody else on SG-1 notice that he was carrying his staff weapon to the elevator, too? Because, like, they walked all the way from the meeting room, like, through a bunch of hallways that we were following them through. And he had the staff weapon the whole time, and no one else said anything to him about it. O'Neill was cool with it and was just going to let it go, because he might need that weapon. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, that weapon destroys crystals, so even though we haven't seen any crystals, just energy. But... (laughs) So Teal'c is overridden, though, and so instead of a staff weapon, he gets a hat with the word Chicago on it. He spouts out <laughs> some fun facts about sports teams, or at least the names of sports teams. Chicago, the Windy City, home of the Blackhawks, the Bulls, and the White Sox. Forget the Cubs. And they're off. Also, it's the Windy yes, City. and it is the Windy City. <laughs> and they're off to go find other O'Neill. <sighs> Good times. In the hospital, Jack is laying there, just staring up at the ceiling, and suddenly says Charlie's name and asks Sarah if that's where they brought him after he shot himself. And Sarah confirms that, yes, it is. That is, in fact, where he died. Sarah asks him what's happening, and Jack says again that he needs to get back to the Stargate. And then all of a sudden, Jack has another lightning seizure, this one even stronger, and exploding all of the lights overhead. Outside the hospital, there's a cop trying to organize an evacuation. People are running all over the place, and there's ambulances and cop cars and a news crew. And how did all of this happen so fast? Because this second lightning seizure only just started. And all of a sudden, there's cop cars and extra ambulances and all of these people outside. And so I thought that maybe like maybe SG-1 had called ahead to let the hospital know they needed to evacuate. But then still, how did the news crew get there before <laughs> SG-1 got there? They are not very good at keeping this a secret if the news beat ah, them And they there. were even reminded by Hammond to keep it a secret. <laughs> right, they were. Yes, I know. That was like he very pointedly said that as they were leaving. So I didn't understand how this was happening. Anyway, the cop says that as soon as Colonel O'Neill's team arrives, he wants to shut down the power. So they had gotten some advance notice, but that still doesn't make sense why, like, the news crew was there. Uh, And back in the hospital, uh, someone is dressing Sarah's wound amid the chaos, which I I was surprised. Why not get out of the building Did she ask for help, or was this woman just like, oh, you look like you need help, even though this is a hospital full of people who need help right now? Right. You have a minor flesh wound, and we're in a life-or-death situation with the hospital being evacuated, but let me just stop and bandage that minor flesh wound for you. It it worked out for the best because O'Neill is running down that same hallway towards them, shouting for everyone to get out of the building, and Sarah spots him and is shocked because she just 
left O'Neill, but she kind of gets over it. He walks up to her. They hug. He's like, this is me, baby. Are you okay? (laughs) 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 He, uh, he asks where his, uh, his other self is and (laughs) runs off to room three with Teal'c. As they're going, they throw on some sort of, I assume, like, sort of lead-lined headgear and... But but just on their head and shoulders? I was... Yeah, just on their head and shoulders. Like, if you're going into a room where there's something that is very radioactive, like, I hope they're also wearing lead underwear under under their fatigues, but they seem to just be wearing... Yeah, I was like, is this... Is this... Is it bad enough that they want to make sure their skin is covered but it's not bad enough where it's going to be a problem otherwise yet i don't know anything about radiation like issues so i don't really either but i would think that they would need more than just a head covering and gloves but that's what they got (laughs) but that is what they have in fact yes they've got big (laughs) flashlights too which does does nothing for radiation but at least they can see because the power has been cut and they're they're all going to be sterile now as long as they're, you know, assuming that they are not wearing lead underwear. But, you know, they, they will be mostly alive for a while at least. Flashy lightning O'Neill is on the ground when they arrive. Uh, and Carter and Daniel have caught up and they are also wearing the fun headgear and gloves. Mm-hmm. The O'Neills tell each other they don't want to hurt one another, which, you know, that's good. That's nice, guys. Um, his energy seems to be about to burst, and then it does, and it throws everyone back. But then suddenly that means the radiation level dropped. Sure. Yeah, and also none of them are damaged by being thrown across yeah. the room. So, yeah. Uh, I, that's that's yep. also convenient. Are... That must be some really... Th- those they're kids amazing. are like super protective. <laughs> like, not just a hood, but it gives yes. a force field around their entire body that we don't even see. Um, and they decide they're cool to just take off their coverings because the radiation level is lower for reasons but yeah and it's totally not no. going to suddenly spike again as it has been doing Mm-mm, up to this nope. point repeatedly they're cool. but you know it's fine <laughs> yeah everything's fine everything's fine so there's more chatting between the O'Neills about how they're not going to destroy the crystal O'Neill and that the gold is their mutual en- enemy and they understand one another. Neither of them are going to hurt each other and they're not enemies. But they do ask why you've come to this place. And then he goes into a sad explanation. <laughs> he goes into an explanation about how when he hurt, when, when O'Neill touched the crystal and was injured, he wanted to heal O'Neill, even though he thought he was his enemy. So that's, that's good. You're a peaceful person. Right. I appreciate that. Don't like unnecessary death. <laughs> yeah (laughs) that is good but he was not equipped to actually equipped to actually heal him and in sort of examining o'neill's whole person psyche and whole person yeah Yeah. just everything about o'neill he discovered that his physical injuries were nothing compared to the gaping hole in his heart where his dead son is not right i know (laughs) it's it's so sad (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> yeah yeah um and then he figures out eventually that uh, he came through the gate to try to find charlie and bring him back to heal o'neill but only eventually learned through interacting with with sarah and getting o'neill's memories that it's not possible because death is permanent in our world <laughs> uh, yeah yes <laughs> 
in a way that it yeah. isn't on there as he specifies. <laughs> he drops that he's dying, but then he says he, he couldn't bring Charlie to O'Neill. And O'Neill's like, yeah, he's gone. And he's like, the other O'Neill says, no, he's inside you. And he reaches out his hand to touch him, which sort of felt like a very like E.T. I'll be right here moment for a second. Yeah, oh, I had that same thought. Yeah. <laughs> but then twist, he turns into Charlie, which yeah, I think is a little messed up. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I thought that too. I, I actually even wrote, yeah. this seems really yeah, mean. Like, what does that accomplish? He, um... Yeah, it feels like it's just like pouring yeah. salt in a wound to yeah. me to do that. While you're at it, why don't you give me a nice paper cut and pour lemon juice on it? I'm going to call him Crystal O'Neill and Crystal Critter. I don't <laughs> <laughs> um, the The pseudo O'Neill. Pseudo O'Neill, yes. Pseudo <laughs> O'Neill reiterates that they have to go because they need to get back to the Stargate because they're going to die. And then asks if Sarah is still around. And here again... Why does he want to see her and what does he think it will accomplish if the goal was to, like, fix them? Right. Also, a part, an issue that I took with this part of the scene is that they gave her no warning that we're going to have somebody with us that looks like your yeah. son but isn't your son. It's so messed up. Son. It seemed terrible to me. So O'Neill takes little fake Charlie's hand and they go to Sarah who is clearly extremely shocked and upset, but they do have a moment where they touch hands and they hug. She knows it's not Charlie. How did she, I mean, I guess she knew that he was dead, but like she seems to have a better understanding and grasp on this situation than she should because she shouldn't know anything about Jack's job, but somehow she understands that this is like not a human yeah. being and is like some other higher entity. She also gives O'Neill a hug as they're parting to go to the Stargate. Yeah. So they have a little, oh, we were pretty great together. There's all these things I didn't say, but the other guy said them. So I guess we got some stuff to talk about. I don't think they say that, but they clearly have some stuff to talk about. But yeah. So all of this stuff that the pseudo-Neil said to her is clearly <laughs> like meant to be real feelings that O'Neill has. Right, right. That he never expressed. But he's yeah. still the same O'Neill with all of his like military bravado, as she said. So yeah. even if they at a later date are like, "Yeah, let's have a little talk," it's he's gonna be his guarded self again. And right, he's yeah. So guy. I feel like nothing will change for them. Yeah, and this is really frustrating to me too because like they clearly still love each other, and it seems like they both still want to be together, and yet they can't well it's not even that they can't necessarily get over themselves but like jack can't get over himself to make it work and you know you can never say that a relationship ending is all on well, <laughs> you can say sometimes it's all on one person but but i just found this really frustrating for that because they seemed to still want to be together and they just yeah. couldn't couldn't yeah yeah. So. yeah last but not least we are back in the gate room sg1 and charlie are there Jack alone takes Charlie by the hand. They go through the gate. And at this point, I was wondering what happened to the other crystals that were Good sitting Good question. <laughs> Did they get put back? We don't know. <laughs> that's the end. That's Maybe. the episode. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's... <laughs> so that's it. 
that was that episode. <laughs> that was that episode. That was an it episode. It was a very strange <laughs> mix between the silliness of Carter and Daniel and yes. the heaviness of O'Neill. I mean, I'm glad that they had that levity in there, but it was just... <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that was... It, this would have been a really rough episode without the the, the comic <laughs> breaks <laughs> that were happening back on base. So I really enjoyed those parts, but the rest of it was very heavy and depressing. And in ways I'm not typically looking for in my light entertainment that I want at the end of a work Oh, day. yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I can't say that I didn't enjoy the episode, but I can't say that I did enjoy it either it was kind of a a roller coaster of lots of it i did enjoy and lots of it i really did not enjoy at all uh i liked a a whole chunk of it i just was a little extremely weirded out at the end with charlie appearing and then um Mm -hmm. a little bit sad for o'neill that (laughs) i don't think he's gonna be able to fix his fix his relationship with his (laughs) ex-wife yeah not so much when clearly he keeps a memento box in his locker of his family to look at whenever he wants to. And clearly, yeah. Uh, I was also thinking about the title itself. So cold Lazarus, Mm -hmm. like I get Lazarus. That's a, you know, resurrection story from the Bible, but what is the cold part? I, my take was just that it's because they're crystals and they're not, biological organisms so crystals would be cold i feel that, like that's i feel like that's the only it. way you can because i even tried to google cold lazarus as opposed to just lazarus and the mm-hmm. only thing that came up was a play written in the mid 90s that was a tv mini series about a dystopian future which i don't think that they were pulling yeah. from for this <sighs> so <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably not yeah so that's uh that's my feels yeah. about this uh this episode yeah Indeed. mixed yeah. feels mixed feels many mixed yeah. feels does it really did it i was trying to figure out if it really helped o'neill's character to have this storyline and i'm not convinced either way i mean i guess it like it for sure does some character building but i'm not sure that it necessarily makes him either more or less yeah. likable so i'm not convinced that this was really a necessary story to tell after we already knew like we already knew what had happened to his son so i didn't really feel like we necessarily needed to go into even more detail about what happened to his son since we already had that backstory yeah, to begin with. but maybe the backstory is for people who picked up sg1 without ever having seen the movie that's true they did me- did they not mention what happened to his son in us in any of the other episodes they, so far i thought they had at least made a reference i think to they it, mentioned that his son died in the first one i think I think I now I can't remember and I should like in the pilot I thought that that was known oh yeah no they did mention it in the pilot because or the the first episode because the two guys that went back to recall O'Neill to active duty oh right said it on the way back to the car okay so so it has been established already okay so maybe this is just like a ooh what's happened since then yeah but I guess we didn't really see we didn't really see O'Neill and what a mess O'Neill was after that happened, though, in the show. We saw that in the movie, but we didn't see it in the show. So I guess they're trying to establish his more human, vulnerable father side in, in the show. Because 
you know they did they did show that a bit in the movie but, but instead really of just being a yet. tool all the time he says ridiculous <laughs> things <laughs> just being a tool all the time <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah the movie for sure just had o'neill be a tool all the time to show his humanity he's still a tool yeah. in the series a lot but they, they used actual emotions <laughs> to show how he felt instead of just him being a jerk to show how he feels. <laughs> so what are we talking about next? Hopefully something a little bit okay, the lighter. The next episode is episode eight, which I believe is the Knox. Not in my okay. booklet, but on Wikipedia, which seems to have the order that we're going in. So... Yeah, which is, yeah. again, the air date, not necessarily the order that they're found in, like, the DVD or various yeah. other databases. Um, the Knox uh, description is, When a planned ambush goes disastrously awry, resulting in fatalities among the SG-1 team, the peace-loving Knox restore them to life. That was a roller coaster <laughs> of a, a sentence. Um <laughs> It was. That feels like a huge spoiler, too. <laughs> but while these gentle people can bring back the dead, can they resist the deadly technology of the bloodthirsty Goa'uld? Mm. I guess we'll find out. <gasps> I guess we will. In a couple weeks. Woo! Woo, indeed. As always, thanks for tuning in today. Make sure that you subscribe to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcatcher happens to be. We're on pretty much all of them now. And that way you will get our episodes as soon as possible, which is every other Monday. Reviews, especially on Apple, are greatly appreciated because they help others to find our podcast. And they're even more appreciated if they are five-star reviews. You can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com. That's S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E-Z. I-N-G at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Stargatesing. You can also like our and share our page on Facebook. And this is a labor of love for both of us. So if you are feeling generous, please head on over to patreon.com slash Stargatesing. Any donations that you make over there will help us to cover our various production costs, such as um, better equipment and our website that we are working on. And in some extra and exciting Stargate-related news, as of December 1st, 2020, Stargate SG-1, all 10 series are going to be available on Netflix. So for those of you who do not have Hulu like me or who don't want to be silly and buy the entire box set like both Kathy and I have, you can join us in watching on Netflix whenever you'd like. Yeah. Yeah. I am Mary. And I am Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargate Sing. The end. The end. <laughs>